0: What's the fertility today we have with us Kendra. Kendra is a Pilates practitioner as well as a co-host on the podcast. Shake it off. Shake it off is a podcast to help optimize and prioritize physical and mental health, which I think is so fitting for today. Um, Kendra is going to speak on her journey of infertility through a, a handful of IVF cycles, as well as her diagnosis of premature ovarian failure. So welcome Kendra. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We're so excited to have you. And I'm so excited to start
1: listening to y'all's
0: podcast as well. I know, right? Thank I love you.
1: having another co-host for a podcast is so fun. I feel like now we can just like really just chat and yeah, listen. love it. So, um, I know you
0: have some interesting, like living situations. I want to hear about your Australia stint. Um, and I, am assuming that maybe you found out about like some infertility
2: while you were over there or before, how did that kind of get started? Yeah. So I moved to Australia in 2008 after I graduated from the university of South Carolina. Um, my best friend and I went over there just on a little, Holiday together, and that holiday turned into me being there for thirteen years. Um, I fell in love with Australia. I started working over there, and just really enjoyed it. So, um, so yeah, I was I was there for about thirteen years, and when I was thirty-one, so back in two thousand seventeen. Um, is when I got diagnosed with premature ovarian failure. So my boyfriend, who is now my husband, uh, we had been together for just a little over a year. And um, it was actually on his birthday (laughs) of all days that I received the diagnosis. So um, I had started noticing i had less frequent and often missed periods and i thought it was stress related so um i thought it was you know from my job and you know work and just life stresses and so you know, I had done pregnancy tests just to double check. And so, you know, I wasn't overly concerned about it um, until I had quite a few missed periods. And I was like, oh, something's not right. So I went to my GP, which is your general practitioner, and um, ran some tests, did some hormone, based hormone level testing. And she noted the abnormalities in my test and referred me on to a, gyne- a gynecologist and so coincidentally, the gynecologist that I was referred to um, his assistant is actually was one of my Pilates clients. And she'd been one of my cl- Pilates clients for a very long time. So she was really I was quite close with her, um, which was kind of a blessing in disguise um, in retrospect, because she was such a big support system through that process. Um, so I went and did further blood tests with him and I. Um, I remember on the morning, it was this Tuesday morning. It was Jesse's birthday. And I just finished teaching that morning. And my the, the assistant, my, my friend Sharon, who's my client, she called me on my personal phone. She said, um Kendra just might be wise you know I just think you should come in here and have a chat with Dr. Wallman and so I was like oh okay yeah, <laughs> so I like, don't oh, know that sounds sad. Uh, yeah massive. I was like do I need to like schedule a time in this week she's like oh no I think you should come like right now yeah, she's oh, like gosh. so like automatically my heart sank I knew sure. something wasn't right um so I walked I went in there and um Dr. Wallman is he was a lovely lovely guy and he so I have an older sister who's a gynecologist OBGYN oh, wow. here in the US and he knew of that and I think he knew of that because Sharon my client had told him about that and so I remember going into Dr. Wallman's office and I sat down and he looked at me and he said it might be wise if we get your sister on, like Facetime or on the phone. And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs>
1: I so just, nice
0: I'm like immediately noting the differences too in an Australia medical situation. That right? is so personalized <laughs> and sweet. Yes.
2: please come in right now. We'll talk. Like that sounds amazing. Yeah, like I said, I think it was a huge blessing that I knew the sure. PA. I think yeah. she pulled some strings for me, so I'm very thankful of that time with that yeah that she was in my life and that it worked out the way that it did but um yeah so I I rang my sister and luckily the time difference worked out um so it was morning over there which meant it was afternoon over here and I yeah that's when he told me the diagnosis and I just was like what are you talking about like what does this mean And like, thankfully he did get her on the phone because she was able to really relate it back to me and talk to me, not only from like a sisterly perspective. So, um, and it was, I was just devastated. I still remember just like walking out of the doctor's office and like sitting on this bench and just bawling my eyes out and had to go. And I debated, I actually debated on if I was going to tell, um, my husband, Jesse, um, because again it was his birthday but i just knew i have zero poker face so i was like there is <laughs> like, no way normal, yeah yeah there is no way i'm going to be able to just hold this in and so yeah so i talked to him about it and um you know told him that you know my sister and the, and dr Wallman had suggested potentially looking at ivf as options uh which was really quite difficult because you know we were married, we were in a very serious committed relationship, but, um, it takes it, you know, it's a full 180 turn in your relationship. I'm so curious. What did they kind of tell you with that diagnosis? Um, So Dr. Wallman had said that there was, so my AMH was like 0.01. And he said, he basically explained what premature ovarian failure was. To be honest, there's parts that I don't even remember um, just from the trauma of Ah. it all, like the shock. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do remember him explaining how important it was for me to get on hormone, some sort of hormone replacement therapy straight away. And that's essentially because so premature ovarian failure or primary ovarian inefficiency is essentially if you're under the age of 40. And you have, you basically, if you're missing, if you've missed your periods, it's essentially that you're no longer producing eggs. So it's almost like an early menopause essentially. Um, so he explained that to me um, and had also told me that there's less than a 1% chance of me ever conceiving naturally with, with my own eggs. And when I think you, that you, go ahead. Yeah, so I think that was like the killer. <laughs> that was no, ex- the- especially
0: because you be- yeah, you weren't like actively trying to have children right. at the time yeah. and then you're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, I got to s- either speed this up or this is like a very bleak outlook." So like, with your sp- sister being a gynecologist, did she did you does it run in your family
2: history or is this something that was ever on her radar when you had chatted with her before? That's actually when I had spoken to her that um, my periods were becoming less frequent and more missed. She said, look, you really need to get tested again. I just brushed it off initially. I was like, I'm just, it's stress. It's gotta be stress in my life. I've got a highly stressful job. Um, you know, I'm ex you know, maybe it's from exercise as well. Like I just, I just, I don't know. I didn't have it. I didn't think it was going to be such a, a major issue. Um, so she was really, she really guided me and, and I guess, said let's go get like get some testing done essentially yeah. so that was really helpful and I'm grateful for that um so yeah it was it was a total shock total so shock So you
0: told Jesse on his birthday
2: I know how the, did poor that go? <laughs> the poor guy he has such a streak of bad luck on his birthday the poor oh, guy no. he's just like <laughs> ever since he was little so he's honestly the most I'm so lucky. He's such a wonderful person. He's so supportive. I mean, it just it brings tears to me, just even thinking on that day, I still remember us. We were standing outside in the parking lot because I like called him straight away, of course, on the uh, way back uh, yeah. I know, I would <laughs> I was like no. I literally called him and he met me. He met me at the parking lot, like where I teach. and I just was like, I just remember he gave me the biggest hug and he's like, we're gonna be okay. Oh, so that's so thoughtful. so thankful. I mean, and that's, you know, it's, again, we were, you know, we were in a serious relationship, but it's still, we weren't married. We hadn't started discussing having kids. That Coincidentally, yeah. That discussion is difficult when you are married exactly. and you have already started.
0: I mean, it's a huge decision, especially when they say IVF might be your best or
2: only option. Yeah. Well, and I didn't find out until later that he actually had planned to propose, but he actually, because then of course we like, then it, within the next two months, we decided to, to um pers- to, like, to begin IVF. And so he actually waited to propose until after we had finished our IVF treatments which oh. he was like I just wanted to make sure you know we were in a good place and I know how oh. stressful it was so
1: that, is so that so was yeah he's
2: he's just incredible so I'm very yeah very lucky and he's just such a huge rock in my in my life so yeah
1: that's so incredible oh yeah no, i was just gonna was- say so it sounds like it definitely then fast forwarded I feel like it can go either way so it fast forwarded your process to just go straight into IVF
2: For sure. Yeah, it did. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, my sister again was a guiding force with that. I, coincidentally, um, I had to search around to find IVF specialists who would actually take me on as a patient, just given my diagnosis, because there was such a low, low, low likelihood of, um, being able to, to retrieve eggs. Um, so there's a doctor and if, in australia on the gold coast um his name's dr key Ong. he's very very popular for i'd like to call it the one percenters so he and he told me that he actually said he's like you know i give those you know clients a chance who have been turned away from other um fertility specialists so we went and met with him and um he's a bit of a known nonsense guy And which is great. Like I loved it. Um, I think we Jesse and I both needed it. And we literally we met with him and the next day I was on my treatment. So there was zero preparation time. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um you you have to be a decisive person for that. Like, yes, we're doing it. Let's go. And and that's what that no nonsense. He's like, either you're gonna do it or you're not, you're losing time. If you want to do it, we need to start like right away because we're running against the clock essentially. So I remember just sitting there. I was like, I don't even know what IVF is. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you know, were I remember thrown in, into that. Yeah. In I remember one of the nurses was like, so normally we have, you know, these welcoming packs and like we, you know, invite you know, patients to come in and do these little workshop or not workshops, but seminars, essentially just to learn about it and set dates. And, but because I didn't have a period, it didn't matter when I started. So I could start my cycle straight away. Okay. Which is what that, we makes did.
0: Sense. that makes sense. yeah. Okay. And so I was yeah. going to ask, but you kind of answered it. So you did, and we'll get into it, but did you do all of your IVF treatment in Australia? I did. Yeah, I did.
2: Which was hard. No, I mean, I have a wonderful group of friends in Australia, but in retrospect, it was very, very difficult not having your family around for that level of support. Um, So again, just because I was just, we were thrown in the deep end for it. So, so yeah, we commenced our first cycle um, straight away. And, um, I actually remember it was right, took us all the way basically until Christmas. Um, and that was really hard to like doing IVF over the holiday period, which I'm sure any other, you know, female who's listening could probably relate to that. It's hard, you know, you're there's events and, um, just the whole holiday period in general. So it was really quite difficult. Um, and then went in for the egg retrieval surgery and I didn't have any eggs. And so, and because during the process, it was hard for like Dr. Ong, there was only one follicle anyway. So, um, you know, he was really trying to stimulate that follicle which meant I was on a very high dosage of hormones. Um, which again, set me incredibly nuts over the holiday period for Jesse.
0: Ah, and, <laughs> and while you're working and like in your career oh.
2: as Pilates instructor, you have to be calm and go I know, right? You're like, I'm not calm. Such a learning curve. <laughs> And so, yeah, I went in for the surgery, no egg retrieved. Cause you know how, I don't know if they do this in America, but they actually write the number of eggs retrieved on your hand.
0: Oh, I thought they did that for you, Amanda. They, they did should they? have done it for me because it, it, the second my husband came in, I was like, how many did I get? I've yeah. seen, I've
1: seen other girls. Maybe I don't remember them doing that. I just, all I do, I remember is just keep asking over and over and over again, how many I had, but I don't remember them writing it. They yeah. have, it really I have good. seen that. So, oh my gosh, did they write zero?
2: they actually didn't luckily. Cause I like first thing when I woke up and I like out of that groggy face, I was like, look straight at my hand. And I was like, there's nothing there. And the scientist actually had, she came over and she like held my hand. She's like, I just wanted to let you know that, um, we didn't get any eggs this time. So straight into, um, Another round, Dr. Ong was like, we're going straight into it. Oh, you poor so, thing. And so that it work was- Since
1: you don't have, again, like you don't have a period. So was there any waiting period for you? None. So None. You- wow. Yeah. So it's straight perfect.
2: into the next cycle. And I think we had wait, we waited actually until just after New Year's though, yeah. Um yeah, went straight into it. And Dr. Ong was like, look, I'm going to be a little bit more aggressive with some of the medication, which meant higher hormone dosages. And just, I don't know. yeah, no. just, I was like, Oh, here we go.
0: I'm assuming um, just from talking with you and knowing like you're in the health and wellness space, was that difficult for you to like, make that
2: decision to, to put hugely. all those hormones
0: in your body? I can just hugely. tell speaking with you. That oh that my gosh. Really difficult.
2: I looked, I actually remember looking at one of the medications and I was like, they give this medication to patients who have prostate cancer. I was like, how is this normal? What am I putting in my body? Like, mm-hmm. what is this? <laughs> like, I just, it was really difficult. Cause I felt like it, it went, I just intuitively, I was like, at what sacrifice am I putting my body through I don't know. It was just, it was a bit of t- emotional turmoil for me, for sure. From that aspect, sure. um, my husband, my
0: husband's in the health and wellness industry too. And like, it was different because I was in a space at that point, you know, we had had numerous losses and I was like, I'm going to do whatever. And it's, I mean, you made the same decision. I'm going to do whatever it takes, but it is like that stop and be like, these drugs are used in cancer patients. And right. I mean, it's, it's
2: insane. It's wild. Yeah. And then I had to, you know, I think, too, because you're at such a heightened emotional state anyway, um, I had to really, like, cut myself off from doing too much research or because, again, I didn't have any of that preparatory time before. So it's almost like I was just in the trenches and then trying to figure out, like, wait, why am I here? Like, what? am
0: yeah. I, While like, you're like, you got just... a shot in a couple hours and you're like, yeah. this is the first time I've even seen this medication, I got to figure it out fast. Like,
1: what even is this? Oh, my gosh.
2: I actually remember one of my close friends had done IVF and I called her and I was, she actually came over and helped me insert the first injection. Cause I was like, I just can't do this. Yeah. Um, but then of course, towards the end, you're just a complete expert at it. So you you're like <laughs> oh, doing them in the
0: bathroom in the yeah. back of your car. <laughs> okay. So now we're into, and I don't even know when these years were, I know you said new years, but we're yeah maybe like 2018.
2: Yeah. So coming into 2018. So, um, so the second round ended in the same as it did with the first. So zero egg retrieval. um, And I distinctly remember going, driving into the, to go to the surgery. And I just, you completely dance along this thin line of like hope and reality. I was like, Kendra, you got to be hopeful. But at the same time, I'm like, gosh, there's a very, very large chance that this is going to end up the same way um so this time when i woke up from the anesthetic dr Ong was there and he's like look i'm so sorry um you know it's we did get anything but um so we went back in for another appointment i think we waited a couple weeks this time and he said look let's do one more round let's see how we go and by that point you're Physically exhausted. You're emotionally exhausted. You're financially exhausted. Like I was going to ask just, you that.
0: I'm assuming Australia. Most of the times abroad, you would think it would be cheaper, but I feel like was Australia similar, if not more expensive.
2: It's quite expensive. Um, we had to pay up front, and so that's another aspect. It's like, all of a sudden, Hey, could you just throw in about $15,000? Like to that's what just- I was going to ask you. So, okay. Okay. yeah. so you now have to have that conversation with your partner, with your partner. Yeah. And it's, 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 it was wild. It was so wild. So, and luckily, you know, he was so supportive. He's like, we're doing this, like, we're going to go all in. I'm here to support you. And ultimately I think it, it made us really strong because it's such a raw and real and incredibly vulnerable time um and that can ultimately it, I can see where it would break couples for sure I mean it's Easily. just you're tested on all accounts um so we were just so fortunate I I think it strengthened us for sure going through that um which was yeah we were really lucky for that so But yeah, it's hugely expensive. You do get a little bit of rebate back from the government, but not much. I think they've actually changed. They're making, um, they're trying to get laws in place to actually get more rebates back and to have more support over there. Um, which I think is, is great. So That's incredible. That stays
0: I, yeah. in that direction. I actually just got like money back. Like, I don't know, Amanda, if you did this, but you can do the similar thing in America when you like file all your medical expenses, if you save everything from IVF with your taxes. Um, you can get some money back as well. So I don't know oh, if you that's plan great. to do it anymore.
2: I wish I knew that. Yeah, it, <laughs> it does
0: have to be, I think it has to be over $24,000. But I mean, once you add everything together and it obviously has to be in those 12 months, but um, I was shocked to know that as well.
1: Wow.
2: Yeah. It's very expensive. And that's, I mean, on top of that, then you're going through all the physical and emotional turmoil of it. So yeah, so we then decided, yeah, let's do round three. And so we dove into that. And unfortunately that ended the exact same way as the first and second round, um, which was absolutely, I think that one was the most soul crushing for me um, because I also knew then like Dr. Ong had said, we're going to give this one final go So in the back of my mind thinking, this is it, I think this is going to be the final straw for trying with my, you know, with my own eggs. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I just remember after that, I was definitely, absolutely, I was depressed from that for a short time period. Um, And luckily, again, I had a great group of friends around. But even in saying that, I it, I didn't tell a lot of people. I was just basically my close circle of friends, um, which was, you know, again, I'm very grateful for. But it's hard then because it's almost like, and I'm sure people can relate to this when they're they're going through tough things, and other people, like people at work, aren't aware of it, or you know, people in the grocery store aren't aware of it when you're standing sure. there in the produce line and you're crying your eyes out. Like <laughs> yeah. they don't know, yeah. um, but. Yeah. So I was really hard. It was, it was super hard. And I'm, I just remember too, you know, being at the age of 31, 32, everyone was having babies. Everyone
0: was having babies. Everybody and their and sister their and their friend. Yeah. And it's, it's everyone. Uh, I think there's some phenomenon out there called, and I don't even know what it's called, but it's basically like all you see is pregnant people. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, I definitely felt that way too. And I wanted to go back, Kendra, you said like you only shared with your close friends and how that really was difficult almost, because I feel like a lot, I I shared early on in our um, journey and I feel like people would be like, you're so brave or you're this or you're that. And I actually always felt the opposite. I was like, no, I'm having to share this because I'm not strong enough to you know, not mask my emotions, but I'm not strong enough to just go about life and people not know all this trauma that's going on with me because you do, you think about it in the grocery store, you think about it in the car and you look to your right and there's like a car seat. Like it's, I remember I would like look in cars and I'd see car seats and I'm like, oh, well good for them. You know, like it's just all consuming.
2: It is all consuming. Yeah. And I think also the hard thing was, is my closest friends, we're also the ones who were having babies. Um, I also remember my sister announced her pregnancy during that time. So my older sister, who's the OBGYN. So she an- announced her pregnancy and I just felt like a little bit, it made from, from my personality, it made me retract a little bit when those friends who were falling pregnant, because I just felt like the relatability just wasn't there. And I just felt like, it was so triggering just to even be around them, which is, sounds awful. Like, I just feel like such a bad person by saying that, but it's like, you just can't even just simply just them talking about, you know, their pregnancy. And they were obviously very respectful, but it's still there. You know, you can't really hide it. It's
0: just I know, I completely, completely agree. So I'm, and you guys move so quickly. So 2017 into 2018. And at that point, are we like summer of 2018 and you guys aren't engaged at this point right or yeah right he had not. well
2: yeah so then after that third unsuccessful round um just into that new year is when Jesse had proposed so we were and it was I was so grateful because it shifted it shifted that mindset it gave me something to look forward to Um, which was wonderful so we yeah we both decided we're like we just need a break from this let's just like live life a little bit um you know fast forward to 2019 we had planned our wedding for june 2020 in australia of course um (laughs) You know, half, oh. your fa- half if not all your family are, yeah, overseas. Yeah, we had, a, I think we had, we had 180 people attending our wedding in Yamba, um, Australia. So, you know, and that was obviously that wedding planning was just took my mind off of everything. It was, it was just such a reprieve for us or for me in particular. Um, but then of course, in March, 2020, we had to call that wedding off because of COVID um, and then the next two years, obviously, you know, were, were very difficult. In Australia, I was unable to travel back to the US um, because they had such strict international uh, travel bans. Um, and I actually still remember when we can't like postponed our wedding, I, was, I actually had some family members be like, that's so silly. Like, this is going to pass. This, you'll be fine. I was like, Oh, I don't know. This is seeming pretty serious. And so, um, yeah, sure enough, couldn't travel for two years, um, postponed wedding. And, um, and that was really, really difficult for me because having lived in Australia for that amount of time, I frequently came back to the U.S. i S I'm really close with my family. So I was fortunate to come back sometimes two to three times a year. Um, and, I just made that commitment and so during that two-year period it was really difficult being unable to see my family and it almost made everything else seem worse Mm -hmm. so if I were to be really vulnerable I think those last two years were probably the hardest Um, and again I know it was a tough time for everyone like it was just such a crazy time Um, I think for me personally, it's almost like the infertility stuff was just compounded even more because we couldn't have this wedding. We couldn't, you know, that thing that kept us going basically. Um, And so, yeah, it was really a tough time. So that's when we had decided to um, come back to the US. Um, I was like, I think I need to just be near my family after everything. Like this is just, again, compounded so much. Um, And luckily I was seeing a psychologist at the time and she really helped me through that process too. And luckily Jesse is super supportive. He's like, whatever you want to do, I'm here to support you. So we decided to have a really small intimate ceremony with Jesse's family um, in July, 2021. So that marriage certificate also would help us to come over here and start applying for the green card. So that's um, ultimately what we did. So that's beautiful.
0: So Jesse's from Australia.
2: He's from Australia. Yeah. Okay. You
0: have so, so much on your plate. Like that's a lot. And it's like the timing too. Cause you're like, okay, we're going to quit. We're done with IVF. We're going to get married. And then the marriage, the wedding just keeps getting
2: pushed and pushed and pushed. I'm sure that added some stress. It did. Yeah. Cause like I said, it was just that thing that kept us just like that little spark it's just Mm -hmm. I don't want to say a distraction yeah yeah just something to look forward to definitely so when that was taken away I just felt like the world was crashing big time and on top of that like my hormones were all over the place like when you're depleted of that estrogen like you are highly, you're more susceptible for depression and for anxieties and for these things so Like, it's not even with what's going on. It's actually just like within your body, I'm more susceptible to that. So it's almost like I couldn't. Yeah, it was a tough one. So we had a ceremony in July 2021, and then we came to the U.S. in December 2021.
0: Oh, so as soon as the
2: borders open
0: oh my gosh I didn't realize they didn't open for that long I knew Australia and New Zealand were like two of the the tightest um yeah so you're oh gosh it's almost it's almost December so you've been in the states for a year. I know
2: which blows my mind Do
1: <laughs> you think right. you'll go back to Australia or you guys are here to stay
2: I think ultimately we love, we're trying to create a life that we can go back and forth quite easily. So we're actually looking at setting up a business. Um, It's, yeah, that's going to be able to allow us to go back and forth. So Australia is just such a special place. And, um, but I do, it's, it's so hard because I love being close to my family over here and I've got nieces and nephews. Um, And ultimately when we came over, we also wanted to look at options, you know, potentially of what what the future was going to look like from a family perspective. Um, And that's been pretty hard because we just go back and forth, back and forth. I mean, to be honest, I think the exhaustion of everything like took its toll on us that you're just like, I just want to break. Like, I just can't even think about it because it's exhausting.
0: And three rounds of IVF for anyone. I know before you had um, hopped on for us to record, Amanda and I were talking and I was like, three rounds of IVF. I mean, after one, for me, I was done. I said, I I can't, I cannot do it. And I even got eggs to try. Like I can't even imagine, you know, I was just, it's exhausting.
2: It's super exhausting. Yeah. So, and we've talked about, um, you know, I've actually had, it's the loveliest thing in the entire universe, but I've had um, a couple of friends actually offer to donate their eggs um they're finished having their families and I honestly I still remember like and that's been quite recently and um it's the biggest gift you can give anyone um so we have those options and I think for Jess and I it's still a big decision in your life and I suppose for us just looking at um you know, there's so many ways that you can look at it when you're faced in this environment where it's like, okay, we're not racing against the clock so much anymore. So time, you know, obviously if we do decide to have parents, I don't want to be 60 years old necessarily having babies, but um, you know,
0: I love that positive. I love that. I didn't really think about that. You're like, okay, now this stressor, which is the whole main thing that pushed you into it in the first place is gone. So let's really consider what we want to do.
2: Yeah. And I think too, just like being in each other's um, presence and actually like being present because, and again, I don't know if other couples will be able to relate to this, but you just lose aspects of yourself. You become so insular and so just narrow focused on like fertility, babies, family, fertility, babies, family shots, babies, doctors, (laughs) you're just so laser focused that like Everything else, including your partner, just like I don't know, and I think us as women, particularly going through that, it's like I don't know, and so and Jesse was amazing because he's like, look, I just want us to focus on us. Like, let's just we're married. Like, let's just you know we've been through a lot. Let's just focus on us and have fun. And we we've done that, and that's been you know we've gone on amazing trips together um, you know, we've just really embraced, you know, just us basically and the freedoms that all, also that, that entails. Um, so that. also there's a part of that when you get a taste of that and you think, what could life look like without kids, you know, mm-hmm. especially at our ages. So like my husband's 41 and I'm now 36. So you get to a point where it's like, well, we we'll, what is life like this is life without kids like there are some there are some great freedoms there's some great advantage not advantages probably no, the right the,
0: advantages is the right word yes. <laughs> I mean, especially i mean with me having an eight week old i just feel yeah. like everything from infertility exactly i mean i relate to everything you just said of your laser focus it's child it's baby and then for us it did end up resulting in a child but i really regret those two years of our marriage that was childless, like I regret not, do, you know. I mean, we did, we did the trips, but even on the yes. trips, I was so, my mind wasn't there. And I was like, okay, well, we're on this trip, but I could be home with a screaming time. <laughs> <Just> think <laughs> about it. And now, like, you're absolutely right. Like, now that I do have an eight week old, I'm like, whoa, there was a lot of freedom that I didn't even realize that I'll never have again.
2: Yeah. And it does. And I think because for Jess and I, like when we are, cause 96% of our friends have kids. So for us, when we're around them and they're kids at different ages too. And it's like, you look at it from a different lens and it's like, Oh, wait a minute. Like, yeah, the blessings of having kids is amazing, but there also is that side where it is a massive commitment and it's a lifestyle change and it's beautiful. And it's, you know, there's, there's just so much to it, but I guess when you're faced with that choice and that decision, um, it's just makes you, I guess, look at a really big picture of it. So, yeah. So I guess it's, it's been, it's been a really interesting 12 months for us, especially obviously with moving internationally has been huge. Um, going through the green card process has been huge, but, um, but yeah, it's also given us an opportunity just to really, I guess, um, map out what we are wanting and what our options are. Um, and yeah, it's just made us look at it from such a different lens too, which I'm I'm grateful for.
0: That's, that's just so smart. And I'm so excited for you guys that you are, you know, looking at it from that perspective, because I didn't do that. And I definitely feel like I missed out on that time that was childless and like, they're, like you're saying, there's so many options now for family planning. I mean, Amanda and you know her husband Chris, they've gone different routes than like the traditional route, and like there is there is that potential that you guys aren't childless for, like in the future. So to enjoy it now is so beautiful. I wish I would have done that a little bit better the last. Couple so of many years. people
1: can relate to that for sure. Yeah. Now I'm Is curious, it, where yeah. did your podcast come in? Like, I want to hear a little bit about like the mental health side of it too. And like the physical health and everything. How did you, when did you start that?
2: That's a really good question. And coincidentally, I started that my best friend and I who, um, so she, that's a bit of a story actually. Mm-hmm. I'll answer the question. So we started it, it, It. I guess the, it initiated in February of this year And I co-host it with my best friend, Lauren Hodge, who lives in Charleston. Um, But Lauren and I went to the University of South Carolina together and coincidentally both graduated the same year and traveled to Australia. So we were friends, but we had like the same circle of friends and, but we weren't like super close. And I still remember Lauren, we ran into each other on campus and she comes up to me, she's like, oh, I heard you know, you're, you're going to be traveling Australia um, in May. I was like, yeah. She's like, I'm actually going there in August um, of the same year. And so we (laughs) ran into each other over there randomly at this venue. And this is probably a year into our travels. And we ran into each other at this venue and um, just like, oh, that's, I think that's when our friendship really ignited. And so later down the track, we actually lived with each other. Um, Lauren got her PhD over there in psychology and um, yeah, she's just been one of my dearest, closest friends. And so um, earlier this year when I was in, Jesse and I were in Charleston visiting her and we just like started talking about, we're like, Oh, what if we, we've got so many stories and things to share and like our life experiences and um yeah, we were like maybe we should just start a talk- podcast and talk about them. So it's yeah. just weird. Yeah. I love it. I'm so excited to listen to it. I know it. me too. Yeah. It's so fun. So it's just such a nice combination. So Amanda, to answer your question too, like with the mental health aspect, I think with Lauren's background, um, you know, with her PhD in psychology, um, you know, she's done a lot of personal work just on herself and also like um, she's, she's running a program right now that focuses um, for people who go through, you know, stress and burnout stages, um, how to help them through that. So yeah, we were like, you know, Lauren with her, you know, could really t- tackle the mental health side of things. And then I could look at the physical health side of things and we can amalgamate those and really create something special. So yeah, we didn't think, you know, initially we're like, oh, this is just a little side passion project, but now it's really become something that we enjoy. Right. Um, you know, similar to like this, you get to meet so many amazing people and you learn a lot mm-hmm. like yourself as a co-host along the, along the way, which I love. So yeah, it's been awesome. I really enjoy it.
0: That's That's incredible. Yeah. I loved hearing your story, Kendra. Is there anything else that you want to share? I feel like we wrapped it up really like nicely in terms of just enjoy the time that you have in the, in the moment that you're in and, you know, not try to try to jump to the next thing, um, without really, really taking your time.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And just, I guess just for those, again, going through fertility, you know, issues and, Treatments and just decisions—it's it can be such an isolating process. And I think my biggest, you know, what we were going, what we were talking about earlier, is just having that support group in place, that support network, you know, whatever that might look at like for you. If it's a psychologist or you know, counselor, family or close friends, or I mean, I'm grateful for this podcast. I mean, this podcast has been such a huge help for me, just listening to other women's stories. That was probably one of the biggest, I guess, helps is just knowing that you're not alone through the process because it can feel so isolating and so confusing, and just you just get into your head so much. And so I guess for me, when I heard you know, guests that you guys had on your, on this podcast, it was like, wow, this is so helpful. And also like, I remember you guys had a, I can't remember her name, but she had, she went through the donation egg process and just to like hear her story. I was like, wow, this is amazing. This was just giving me knowledge and firsthand account of like what Mm -hmm. that looks like. Mm -hmm. So I think just like finding those resources um, and just really looking after yourself through all of the stages for sure.
1: I love that. Well, thank you so much, Kendra, for yeah. being fun and just sharing your whole story and
2: being vulnerable with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. and